0: The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion, but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sex tortion social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton.
1: Well, hello and welcome to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This is Opal Singleton coming to you from beautiful, wonderful Southern California. Well, part of the time anyway. So... We want to talk about some really tough subject today, and we have a, an amazing expert, someone that I highly, highly admire, and so I'm going to get deep into it, but just before we do, I just want to share with you a, a case that came out this week that uh, just kind of hit me in the core, and um, it, it's about Jason Alexander. Now, Many of you may not know who he is, but I'm kind of a crime story freak. I bet that's a big surprise. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I have a lifetime membership to IDTV. Anyway, uh, but I've followed all of these crime shows, and uh, Jason Alexander was the director of Law & Order from way back when. And someone that I highly admired, especially as his skills. And it came out that last summer, it was apparently kept quite quiet that he was arrested for possessing and being involved with child pornography. And uh, he had a court hearing this week. He was granted 10 years probation, so he didn't get court or excuse me, didn't get jail or prison. Uh, so i 'm not really sure of the depth of the charges on there, but anytime you hear something like that, it just really tears through my soul. This child pornography thing is crazy because i, I, st- I have studied it now for well easily ten years i've actually made created databases of who are these people. And why do they do that? And, you know, is it possible we might be able to extract them from by getting it from going on deeper and violating children if we can get them when they're only possessing child pornography, not when they're manufacturing and distributing it where a child is seriously being physically violated. Now, any kind of child pornography, the child's being violated, even if you're only viewing it. Because somewhere along the line to make the photo, you had to be violated. Anyway, what we find is there's all kinds of sleaze bags, and, you know, the kind of creepy, icky, kind of, you know, weirdo freaks that you see out there doing that. But there's also a whole inventory of people who are regular people, at least on the outside. And they hold really high-powered jobs. They're very intelligent. They're quite uh, disciplined and it, you know they're able to maintain a regular life most are married some have children of their own that they can't prove that they violated those children and yet they can't resist it's often a pediatrician uh, um, a while back uh, the person that was head of the artificial intelligence department over at Cedar Sinai Um, the person that was head of the director of music at the Pageant of the Masters, and now somebody like Jason Alexander, and it just breaks my heart to see that. Anyway, he has been charged. Hopefully, he'll get help, but I wanted to share that. Well, we are getting ready for a symposium here in Southern California that I think will be one of the nation's leading symposiums with really fine experts it'll be january 11th in riverside california at Harvest Fellowship Church, which is, of course, a mega church from Greg Laurie. And uh, you can find out about that symposium by going to Million Kids, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, millionkids.org. Well, one of the speakers that we have is our guest today, and his name is Lowell Smith. And he's an intriguing and fascinating individual to talk with, which is why I wanted him on the show and why I'm going to quit talking so he can talk. But... Um, His name is Lowell Smith. He's uh, the chair of La Sierra University School of Criminal Justice. They are an award-winning school. They're fast-growing. They're one of the really top schools for criminal justice. Uh, careers or degrees in the nation. So with that, Lowell, first of all, uh, introduce yourself to the people here. We're, we're in separate facilities, so we'll be talking back and forth here. But uh, introduce yourself to the people. Give them your background, uh, how you got to where you are today.
2: Uh, good, good morning. Uh, like I said, my name is Lowell Smith. Uh, a little bit about my background. I spent approximately 30 years total working in law enforcement um, had a, a vast variety of career in law enforcement. I worked a little bit of juvenile supervision, probation, I had a unique career in probation. Um, I uh, basically specialized, I got involved in working narcotics for uh, quite a while, worked um, a lot of supervision with uh, drug cartel individuals, and informants or drug cartels. Then I became involved in basically working gangs and extremism for our department. Um, and uh, for the last 15 years, I specialized working in white supremacy and anti-government extremists and extremist groups still um, very active in the whole narcotics scene with cartel-type issues and those type of scenarios. I was a terrorism liaison officer, so I worked uh, quite closely with two regional fusion centers, FBI's Joint Terrorism Task Force. And so that's um, a little bit about my background.
1: Mm-hmm. And you did work with the gangs, too, right? Because uh, we, uh, you and I have shared about the, the role of gangs in sex trafficking.
2: Oh, exactly. Yeah, I worked um, primarily, I specialize in white supremacist gangs, in which are very still very actively involved in the human trafficking. But I also worked a lot with Hispanic gangs, being in the Orange County area, Santa Ana area. So I worked a lot of Hispanic gangs, worked operations uh, against the Mexican Mafia and their affiliation with cartels, yes.
1: Well, well, that's all changing as we watch and as we see. Um, Why don't, uh, in fact, why don't we start out right there? What kind of changes have you seen as far as uh, gang and cartel kind of structure and activity?
2: Uh, Some of the major changes I've seen is they're becoming more sophisticated, especially with the use of social media and internet technology. It, Um, they're more. More, you know, subculture. They're more driven on the ground. They're very, very highly effective with the use of um, information technology and everything. So they're really, really brought their operation up to the next level, which makes it a lot harder for law enforcement to track and conduct suppression yeah. activities. We really have to, as much as they're upping their game and educating themselves, it's critical that law enforcement, we do the same.
1: Yeah, it's a fascinating thing that uh, we see here is that that uh, I always say gangs have IT guys, you know. They, they feel like they went underground. They're not. They're just uh, simply not as visible because of social media. Everything I've read about uh, the cartels down in, in uh, Mexico, they have the same challenge in that once they got El Chapo, they broke up in small cliques and groups and they're hard to ferret out because they're not all together physically. They're located in various areas, and they're using encryption. Would, would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, I totally agree with it. And what I've seen a lot in the gang activity and even cartel activity where it's a big push where to go more as they're very active and they're very here, but they are not so apparent uh, right. Big swing is a lot. I see a lot of them getting rid of the tattoos. No, no more of the big swastikas, no, uh, the uh, tattoos that would attract attention that are very appalling to us in society when we see them. We see it driven more on the ground more than no tattoos. They look more like the, the everyday citizens, so they fit right in society and they may be right next door.
1: Yeah, that, I've been reading articles even about MS-13. How they now, you know, almost wear suits and stuff like that, and all the tattoos are gone, so that they, especially crossing the border, they blend in. But it's a, it's a kind of a fascinating thing because in the old days, the idea of the tattoos was basically to Im- intimidate. You know, the rest of us, which work quite effectively, quite frankly, but it is also kind of like wearing a billboard. And so it limited their ability to move around. And uh, so what I see now is by giving all that up, what they use for intimidation is occasional acts of violence, which are extreme. So it gets our attention. I've often said that terrorism works because it disrupts our sense of predictability. You know, we we're all victims of it, even though we're not victimized, because suddenly our lives are disrupted uh, over something we could not have predicted. And you know, that's what I think is happening: is they're giving up the visibility so that they can come in and do something extreme and disrupt our predictability.
2: Oh, exactly. Uh, the tattoos are when we see the tattoos. Let's say white supremacy tattoos, the big old swastikas on their forehead and cheek, There are supreme white power you're just saying hey stop me if we're out on patrol we see people with those things we'd stop do field interviews with those people and everything you're asking for attention now removing the tattoos not doing the tattoos they not they don't stand out near as much but at the same time those tattoos back in those days were meant for intimidation and advertising who they are right. now they use forms of violence And then they'll post those violence on social media, which is vast, you know, the social media that's associated with gaming platforms, you name it. They'll Mm -hmm. get those messages out by extreme acts of violence, such as beheadings. Uh, if you look at MS-13, their tendency to do uh, basically mutilations of their victims.
1: Right. They just had one over in Simi Valley about six weeks ago where I can't remember how old he was, but he was a young man in his teens and he had lying through some MS-13 graffiti and they didn't take kindly, and they took him to a community park and uh, ended up cutting you know beat him to death with machetes, and then cut out his heart, put it on a stake, distributed the body parts around the park. And the whole thing there is they take photos, they narrate it, they send it back to El Salvador, and they make sure that it's public knowledge, just to send that statement that you know, while you can't see us, we're here.
2: Exactly. And they do that for the intimidation. We've seen it in California. We've seen it th- per- throughout the periods. There are spots in the United States, Texas. We've seen it back in Virginia, outside of Washington, D.C. Right. Mm-hmm. We've seen vi- victims uh, basically killed, mutilated, hacked up. But we yeah. see that same type of behavior with cartels. They'll, you know, It's very common. Acts of, you know, uh, the drug cartels... Well,
1: this, yeah. this is a fascinating conversation we're going to pick up here in a minute. We're up against that break, folks, so bear with us. We'll be right back.
3: Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com.
0: Back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton.
1: Hello and welcome back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. This is Opal Singleton. This show is brought to you by Million Kids, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, millionkids.org. We're not one million, we're not a million, we're just simply million kids because... More than a million kids have been trafficked throughout the world. If you want to support this show financially, you can do that by going to millionkids.org. If you want to get all the latest information, including about that symposium on January 11th at the Harvest Church, it will be the most important, do not miss kind of symposium that you could ever go to. And our guest today is one of the speakers at that symposium. His name is Lowell Smith. He is the chair of the School for Criminal Justice at La Sierra, and he has a lifetime of experience working in probation and law enforcement and uh, dealing with gangs and white supremism, homegrown violent extremism, and even terrorism. By the way, he is also a speaker, as am I, and so if any of you want to have either myself or Lowell come out and speak, uh, you know, somewhere, contact us at OPAL. That's O-P-A-L, Opal. That's either a very nice gym or a lousy car. (laughs) So it's (laughs) O-P-A-L at MillionKids.org, okay? With that, Lowell, you are... The chair of one of the most prestigious criminal justice uh, programs in America, uh, and you deal with the real deal there. That I've been—I've been one of your speakers there. Tell us about your school and why they need to know this information about uh, supremism and gangs and like that.
2: Well, uh, as. Our chair, like uh, our school, our criminal justice program is growing and it's a, like I say, it's a great program. I love the program. Uh, what I've decided and I volunteered, you know, I retired from law enforcement and for some reason decided I want to go back to work and I teach, but I actually know why I wanted to do it is my idea is, you know, our students go to school and they want careers in this criminal justice field, whether it's working probation, police work, Um, Homeland Security issues, social work, whatever. And uh, there's a tendency in upper education and everything. There's a lot of theory, theory, which is great. We maintain very, very strong, strict rigor at our school. But we bring that practitioner, so we really embrace the scholar-practitioner point of view to our career because there's so many issues when you get out into the careers. I really want our students to have a good fundamental understanding of what they're getting into when they go into whether it's probation, parole, corrections, whatever, uh, policing, whatever. Um, all too often we hear the stories, and I've seen it, where people go out and, you know, they go through the schooling, go out of this career, then they find out that's not for me. They get this cold slap of reality when you're out in the field, and you're dealing with things with mental illness uh, associated with whatever populations. You're dealing with gangs, extremism, substance abuse, you know, violent crimes, you know, drug cartels. And our intent is to really allow our students to understand what it's like in this discipline, including with these... You know these incidents or these events or these things such as human trafficking that are very very hidden and how to identify and and work these type of issues and also uh, a key thing I teach victimology is to really allow our students to get a good grasp on the understanding of the issues with people being victims of all types of crimes that uh, including being trafficked.
1: That that is and just so, that, so that, important. Yeah. That, it is, uh, you
2: know, I, and I, I bring this into our classroom, and I teach, and we show documentaries, and we do um, service learning, volunteering, and we do these in depth discussions, and we show these documentaries, and I have students in my class who are actually breaking down in tears, and we're there, people are really emotional about this, and we talk about this stuff because you know you look at some of these, some of these. Um, events that happen or some of these cases that happen and we critique them and we go through them and everything. And when you see the impact of someone that's, let's say they're being taken from their countries and kidnapped and basically trafficked or sold routinely and everything like this, it really impacts our students. And I watched a documentary one time and there's a statement that I use this statement quite often, especially when it comes to trafficking. Now, my Background is a lot of work in narcotics. I worked cartels. I worked street level narcotics. I worked. Um, I was in Coast Guard, so I worked a large scale federal narcotics for a while. It is that you know we could sell that bag of dope one time, but you're talking about a 15 year old girl. You sell a girl 10 to 15 to 20 times a night or yeah. a day, and right. just think about the impact it does onto that person. Yes. and uh, the big thing is that criminal justice. Is that you're out there and you care about people and you really want to impact, you know, make an impact and how to identify this and that's why I take it uh, our, you know, this type of behavior or sort of this type of training and education to our department.
1: Yeah, I I think that that is so important because uh, human trafficking and even. uh uh, a lot of your other kinds of crimes where you have victims uh, e- even in uh, like being bullied through supremacist groups and things like that on campus you know people do not realize the impact of that and and uh, especially as many of you know I fight sextortion in a big way uh, because Even though you may not have been physically violated, you are emotionally violated. And that sextortion is when you're being blackmailed because you were lured into sending a naked photo. And uh, one of the things that I just think is so tragic there is that this is happening to our kids as they go through puberty and they're getting their sexual identity. And more important, there is not a pedophile in the room with them that violated them. They were seduced out of a fantasy relationship through some social media. But the depth of uh, damage to the psyche, to the soul, uh, you know, I always say sex is the one bodily function that's connected to the soul and it will define who you are. And, uh, you know, I think it's so important for people who are preparing for careers in any kind of public service to understand the end of the impact of that because, you know, what it may present as is like a domestic violence case or a runaway child or uh, maybe a, a family dispute because they're, they're overreacting to some sort of trauma. And if that law enforcement or social worker or a probation person doesn't understand the core issue, it's going to get really muddled up and that victim is going to be re-victimized.
2: Uh, exactly, and it's all too often that we see someone, let's say, you work in street level prostitution. We think, oh, it's just someone out there selling their self. It's just a prostitution mm-hmm. prostitute. But we don't look at the core layers behind that stuff. That the fact that, that person is probably being trafficked. One is probably being controlled by a gang, who mm-hmm. a street level gang who's being controlled by a prison gang who's being working for a drug cartel. And you're talking a multi billion dollar in- mm-hmm. industry and what our goal is at La Sierra in our criminal justice program is to provide our students with these. And I, my instructors and the instructors we have there all have really, really good, solid experiences in the line of fields in which they teach. We have experts that work policy in Washington, D.C. We have judges. We have experts who work, um, for instance, operations on drug cartels. And we bring in the best instructors to show the students firsthand what's really out there. And we really push rigor, but we push that, that vocation what's really out there. So our students, when they go out into the field, they're up and running. And when they go through the academy we want them to be able to identify these critical issues in society, and if they see it, how to recognize it, and potentially reach out to that person and get them help. And our university now, I, since I, this is my first year as chair, I brought uh, them on board. We're um, involved in the Blue Ribbon Campaign with Homeland Security. We're uh, being involved with a million kids. We're out there. I'm really, really pushing the issue of human trafficking because in our area Southern California, we have the sex trafficking. We have the labor trafficking that is very, very prevalent throughout our right. area. All too often, we just look and see someone up, oh, prostitute walking down the street. We don't look in depth of the issues behind that.
3: Right,
1: that and issue it, and everything. One of the things that I appreciated you allowing me to share with your students is, you know, law enforcement's now able, being trained enough to be able to recognize, but they'll see what they think is a case. It'll be a pimp and maybe a couple of three girls that are working for him, and they think, okay, we've got it what they don't realize if they don't have the proper training that they need to stay with it most of these cases are connected to other cases we just had one of those out in HEMA where it started with a 15 year old and 18 an year old with sex in a car and the next thing you know we have 14 victims and 10 of them are minors had the had that police department stopped or had they not called us in and worked together and that is one of the keys in working with law enforcement in this day and age is collab. Is absolutely everything because the case may start in your area, but it may be part of a ring that goes across the United States, and you need those Homeland Security relationships and the FBI relationships.
2: Exactly, and that's one. You know, post nine eleven, the fusion centers. Like I worked a lot with Orange County, which is the All Crime Fusion Center, and we work closely with LA regions. Is that we need to work together? We need to communicate. Uh, To think that this ownership of these particular cases, I think it's just stable within our little, our city, county, or state, is very, very naive because uh, with technology, our world has become a much smaller place. You could send a uh, text message around the world in in a matter of seconds. That's right. To think that this type of issues will not, cannot have cases that respond anywhere else in the United States is very, very naive.
1: Yeah. Well, folks, we're already up against that break again. This, this section went fast. So bear with us. We're going to be right back.
0: Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton.
1: Hello and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. This is Opal Singleton and I have a guest today, Lowell Smith. He is the chairperson over at La Sierra University and uh, has created a division there for um, chairperson for the School for Criminal Justice. Maybe I need to complete the sentence there. Uh, but is creating quite the curriculum. It's one of the fastest-growing, if not the fastest, uh, department that they have over there. And what I admire about Lowell is, first of all, he's hands-on. He has a lifetime experience in probation and working law enforcement and working with the actual you know, gangs like the outlaw motorcycle gangs and Hells Angels and Vagos and all those people. Uh, but he also uh, is preparing his department to deal with and create leaders or motivate and stimulate leaders for the future. He and I were talking about that because uh, with all the technologies coming out, it is changing crime and crime solving. And as most of you know, I go out throughout the United States and talk about the impact of technology on crime and crime solving. One of those, a couple of those big features that that I want Lowell and I here to talk about, one is this fact that with things like mass audience live streaming, which many of you have heard me talk about, TikTok, you, you know, pedophiles don't have to find you. They don't have to track you down and build a relationship. You've got an entire world full of kids that are out there twerking and sending out videos on a device like TikTok where they, that pedophile, all they have to do is sign up and wait, and they can reach our kids and make them an offer, and you. And basically, what happens there is they say, "Hey, you're really good. Let's meet on Instagram or some other device." And the next thing you know, they're building a relationship. Send me more videos, and then that conversation becomes encrypted. And uh, and before long, they're exchanging photos using cryptocurrency. All of that is encrypted and it's anonymous. So, with that, Lowell, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing as far as technology changing these particular crimes.
2: Oh, uh, what I've seen over the course of my career is as, as as technology technology has advanced in our society. The gangs, extremist groups, you name it, have adopted this technology and it's allowed them to become more and more effective in with whatever type of activities they're involved in. My background is primarily, I dealt with a, you know, a lot of white supremacist issues from street level all the way to, um, you know, national recognized groups such as the Ku Klux Klan and um. their use of social media for recruiting operations, communications. Um An indoctrination. Uh, yeah. yeah, indoctrination, because it's very quick. You could send a message out or your statement out, and it could go worldwide in a matter of seconds. We've mm-hmm. seen groups such as even ISIS do the same operations. They'll sit there and do a beheading and send that worldwide as, one, to show of intimidation, two, to reach out to those people who might have views for extremism that will bring them into their fold. And what we've seen, when you look at social media, some of the obscure gaming chat rooms, TikTok, which you're talking about being a Beijing-based company that's out of the country, that they're allowed to use these type of platforms and these type of applications for communications, indoctrinations, everyday business operations, and for the law enforcement, it makes it very difficult for us to track down yeah. even... Even things like Snapchat, you know, for gang activities, they take send a message and if it fades away. We can't see it. Yeah, we could do search warrants and get those things coming back, but we can't pull up a cell phone and see it right there. And right, you so need probable cause. Yeah, Exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah, the other thing that that is insidious and it's difficult to talk about because people don't want to hear about it because it's not uh, mainstream, but it does exist. And that is that the very nature of gaming puts you in a chat room. And, of course, with all the big games now, you're in these multi-chat rooms where you never know the people that you're talking to. But a lot of people don't realize that chat rooms have sub-chat rooms. And uh, it's it's insidious in many ways because a kid gets fascinated by a subject. Uh, it makes them feel more mature, more uh, included, like that. They'll get into one of those chat rooms, and they literally get groomed and indoctrinated in the name of gaming, where they want to fit in. Is that is that an accurate statement?
2: Oh, it's totally accurate. Um, well, I was doing oper- um, not operation, doing research on uh, gaming. Ch- Chat rooms and sub chat rooms just like last year or actually earlier this year, and one um, sub chat room I found uh, from a, uh, an obscure gaming uh, chat room was thirteen and under and they were encouraging girls thirteen and under to send their pictures and post uh-huh. their pictures and send them to these people and and these and we all know that the majority or there are primarily the prime people that are working these type of chat rooms are going to be your pedophiles, they're going to be adults, they're going to be adult males, they're going to be pedophiles, and they start grooming these young girls, and sometimes boys, to start Mm -hmm. uh, sending their pictures, and it starts with a G-rated picture, then they build that relationship, then they start grooming them, next thing you know, here comes the rated R and more more graphic and right. um, some of these operations, I identified some of these, and i i passed these up to the authorities to do this just in my course of research
1: uh huh. yeah we're we're seeing that also well uh, that that um, uh, it's an interesting thing in the environment of a gaming chat room because. Probably the bulk of kids that are on there are playing a game. They're going to survive it. They're going to grow up and like that. But then you get these spinoffs. You meet these kids. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I've often thought, many of these uh, mass shooters where they go into schools, many of them go into isolation. They live in their bedroom, living on gaming and, uh, and then the next thing you know, they're actually acting that out. But it isn't the majority of society, so nobody wants to hear about it. You know, I mean, if you suggest that that might be happening, it's like, well, wait a minute, that's a little extreme. But when you see these extreme violent, and that's why we call them extreme violence, is that they're one-offs. But when they happen, they are absolutely deadly, and a lot of people get hurt, and we all feel victimized.
2: Exactly, yeah. And that's, unfortunately, we're we're seeing that, and we're seeing, if you look at some of the extremists. um Activities, even with, like, cartels. And I, I talk a lot about cartels because they are such a, such a public safety threat in the United States. They're involved in whether it's from narcotics to human trafficking to counterfeit goods to their, they Money get their hands in all type. of... The money laundering, they have their hands in and so many different types of illicit activities, narco terrorism, back from the days yep. of, you know, Pablo Escobar and the IRA, those and they are such a such a vital major threat to this stuff. And you see the age that they suck these kids in of being coming involved in, you know, let's say as contract killers, you're talking nine, ten, eleven years old by twelve, mm-hmm. they have multiple killings and that stuff and we're losing these generations, and it's and some of these gaming platforms. It's easy easy for these kids to get sucked in. They just don't realize what they get in into, especially, you know, young females.
1: Yeah, I'm going to change subject, Johnny, a minute, but uh, I read an article this week about how the Mexican cartel is controlling the Vancouver, British Columbia real estate market because of money laundering, and that's just another example of how. You can use social media and use technology because basically what they're doing is uh, using all their drug and sex trafficking money. They have to launder it so it doesn't get tracked back. So they're having all these people buy real estate in Vancouver, and it's raised the real estate market, they say, 5%. They believe that at least 5% of the transactions are money laundering transactions up there. So that tells you how lucrative this is, but it's also a world without borders. As uh, many of you know, I wrote a book called Societal Shift, A World Without Borders. When the Mexican cartel is influencing the British Columbia real estate market in order to launder money that comes in from all over to clean it up so it can't be tracked back to sex and drug trafficking. It, we live in a crazy time.
2: Yeah, you throw cryptocurrency on top of that and the Hawala uh-huh. networks, which is the transferring of money without really transferring money, a credit system that is used for extremist groups and terrorism type activities, and the cartels oh. are even involved in those things. That even makes it more and more difficult for law enforcement. <laughs>
1: Yeah, spell that word for the people. I uh, I had to research that because I had not heard of that until about three years ago. Tell it, say that word again and, and and define it for the audience.
2: A uh, wallet network. Uh
1: huh.
2: Okay, it's it's basically spelled H A W A L A network. Uh huh.
0: Uh-huh.
2: And it's basically a system where money is transferred via networks and through brokers, and it's basically moving money without money. It's almost like uh, a systems of like credit that is used um, most like most time it goes international. You could transfer money in lines of credit, and then it's used for illicit activities. Um, terrorist organizations use it, and we see a lot. It go through through Southern um, Latin America to the Middle East to um, Africa and some of those areas. A lot of that money is used for drug cartels and also extremist groups or terrorism. Uh
1: huh. Yeah, it, and the bottom line is so much of sex trafficking and drug trafficking is about money laundering. There is a huge Asian ring over here in San Gabriel where they had nine different banks with 50 different bank accounts, and they were buying and selling real estate just on the amount of money that was being used from illicit sexual activity through a very large-scale sex trafficking ring. And so a lot of times this just boils down to the fact that it's all about the money. With that, we've already come up against the last break here. So if you'll stay with us, folks, we're going to be right back. We're talking to Lowell Smith from La Sierra University. We'll be right back.
0: Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids has written a powerful book for parents educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms video games, and the dark web to access, groom recruit, and exploit young people it is truly a must read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced The Grooming of America's Teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators, and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton.
1: Hello, and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. We are talking to Lowell Smith. He is the chairperson of La Sierra University and uh, the School for Criminal Justice. He's also a public safety consultant for prosecution and defense attorneys. He's an expert court testimony uh, person. He can customize training programs if you want him as a public speaker for things like hate crimes, extremism, terrorist groups. He's a media consultant if you need him to do that. And so he's all around an expert on these subjects. And um, he will be speaking at our symposium on January 11th. I hope that you will consider uh, enrolling and going to that. It's already getting a tremendous response as far as registration goes, and we've only had the save the date out there the first week. As January 11th at Harvest Church. It is an advanced human trafficking training symposium based on evolving technologies, and we'd encourage you to go to millionkids.org, find out about it, and Register on there. Well, this is our last segment. Uh, I'd like to just kind of close this out with a little bit about trends. Where is this going? What are you seeing?
2: Um, Trend wise, in society, um, with my background, uh, primarily being in white supremac- su- white supremacy, what I've talked and what I've um, I've done several interviews. Just recently, what I've seen is a total rebranding of the whole white supremacy movement. And unfortunately, because of what our rhetoric and our what's going on in culture, I've seen a, a growth of white supremacy. Uh, even this morning, they in the L.A. region they talked about um, the rise in anti-Semitism and Semitic activities in Los Angeles reason reason, and that's very troubling. In July, um, I was. You know, I had the summers off. I was given an interview for a local reporter, and I told her my fears um, for continued racially based violence in society, and um, because I still have my my kind of like quasi undercover Facebook sites and that are geared for different types of and deals, whether it's white supremacy that are ideological-driven or criminal-driven. So I see the chatter, and I, see, I hear the rhetoric, and we see the rhetoric throughout the media and throughout everything else.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: I, I told the, the reporter my my fears, and five days later, we had the El Paso shooting. Uh-huh. And what, it's what I've seen is this rebirth and this rebranding of the white supremacy movement.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you see that, too. I, I honestly believe that with technology um, impacting all this, you're going to see a lot of these groups come together, the same as you saw pedophiles come together. Uh, the very nature of technology allows creation of communities. And uh, as you know, they just found a, a – a, a uh, child pornography ring out of South Korea had many U.S. participants, and those people there were were over a million people paying cryptocurrency to enroll. Well, we're coming up to the end of this, Lol. I hate to do that. We'll have to have you on again. Uh, how can people reach you?
2: Um, I'll, my phone number, my desk number is area code 951-272-6300, extension 102. Um, feel free to call me um, or you call if you do call the nine five one two seven two sixty three hundred if you need get a hold of me they 'll reach out to me I bounce uh, being a chair i 'm between two campuses i 'm quite active in a lot of our administrative issues i 'm you know or they could contact me through you you 've got my email my phone number, or anything sure. like that i 'm more than open to talk with people talk with law enforcement talk with um citizens groups anything about the, the issues with human trafficking white supremacy hate crimes i've spent like 30 years of my life working these things and you highlighted technology and i talk about white supremacy because uh, i tell you what i've supervised white supremacists who are involved in human trafficking from latin america so it just it, it's widespread and we see this with 80 you know 80 to 90 percent of the people we've arrested, involved in human trafficking, have gang affiliations, and that's impactful in society. So we need to understand that, and I'm more than uh, willing to talk to anybody about this subject matter.
1: Okay. Well, you are a public safety consultant for prosecution and defense attorneys. You're a court testimony expert. Um, You conduct training programs across the U.S. So if you want to reach Lowell and you didn't get that phone number, you can reach me at Opal, O-P-A-L, at millionkids.org and if you're interested in getting an education in criminal justice I highly recommend La Sierra University they're amazing Uh, that is quite the program he's put together I think it's cutting edge across the nation so you might want to look that up La Sierra University please keep in mind our symposium it is January 11th at Harvest Church it'll be a 7 hour hard packed national experts kind of, uh, of Symposium. It'll have law enforcement, Homeland Security, have experts like Lowell Smith. It'll have crime analysts like Nancy Agari. It'll have uh, Dr. Julie Taylor, who is a national expert on legislation. She'll be talking about uh, legalizing prostitution and some of the changes. I'll be doing the advanced technology section of it in there, and we're going to have the actual test force investigators that will be giving you case reviews of local cases and how they went about investigating it. You won't get this kind of information anyplace else. If you're interested in attending, I think, the best symposium of the year, be sure and go on to millionkids.org and look under the symposium and register. In the meantime, if you're interested in reaching me, you can do that at opal at millionkids.org. If you're willing to support this show financially, I'll tell you, we can't do this without you. I am so grateful for each and every person that donates to make this happen. We actually set with parents who are missing their kids, we set with kids who are in trouble. We've trained tens of thousands of teenagers. I just did seven presentations this week at Pomona High. I'm going to do some more tomorrow at Poly High. So, You know, thank you for those people who send in money and donate and buy our books. Go online if you want to get an education by Seduced and Societal Ship. All of those efforts are the things that we need to do to keep this boat afloat, if you will. uh, We're a small organization, but we're mighty. We meet you. We cross a broad swath, and we cover a lot of territory, so we make your money work, and we appreciate it. Go to millionkids.org. Folks, we're at the end of this show again. It always breaks my heart, but I've appreciated having Lowell Smith from La Sierra University on as our guest. He is an amazing resource. Uh, you can hear him again at our symposium. But if you're in the need for in the market for a speaker on those subjects or uh, a court uh, expert testimony or or consulting, you know, I highly recommend. Uh, Lowell Smith at La Sierra University. With that, folks, you have a great week, and we will see you next Thursday morning, 7 a.m. California time. You folks have a great week.